In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, the entire 25th chapter of Matthew is about the last day, about the final judgment. In theology, we call this eschatology, which is made up of Greek words that mean the last things. Uh, So the gospel lesson for today is about the end of the world and the final judgment. Uh, In in past years, we've considered the last days. Uh, That is what the world will look like leading up to this point. But today is not about the last days, plural, but about the last day, singular, that moment. Now, I know there's a lot to say about this text, and I can't possibly do it all in one sermon or one Sunday. But for today, I'm just going to preach on uh, in this sermon on two parts. And the first is on the separation that will occur on that last day. And the second is on the judgment that will happen on that day. Uh, So the first thing, there is going to be a great and eternal division of all people. Uh, Verse 32 says, before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Um, In this life, we have thousands of nations, thousands of groups within those nations. There are thousands of sides and categories and classifications that you can be a part of within each one of those things. But on this day, all of that goes away and the world will be divided into two, into two halves, the sheep and the goats, those who put their faith in Jesus and those who don't. Now, this separation is going to uh, separate Christians from the unbeliever. And that is a good thing. That is what we are longing for. As Christians, we want the world to leave us alone. They persecute, they ridicule, uh, they do this to the church because we are in the world but not of it. And we see the world get away with so much against the church. We see the world get away with evil, uh, with sinning against us, lying about us, mocking us, slandering us, and so on. But this text teaches that vengeance is not in our hands, but it is in the Lord's And the day is coming when he will then separate the two. And he will make things right. So the Lord is promising to separate us from public, from the public and manifest heathen. However, included in this separation will be another one that we can't always see with our eyes. And this is a separation of the sheep from those that simply look like sheep. God will separate Christians from those who simply look like or call themselves Christians. From a distance, sheep and goat oftentimes look the same, but on that day, God will separate those who have faith in him and those who have pretended to have faith in him. Um, As a Christian, this is one of the most frustrating things to see in this life, and it is maddening to see people call themselves Christians, but then live and behave like heathens. Uh, When we see unbelievers behave like unbelievers, we are entirely unsurprised because that's what we expect to happen. But when those who call themselves Christians live like unbelievers, then that is a scandal. And that is what Jesus calls it in Matthew chapter 18. That is, 
That is the thing that causes Christians to stumble is when they see Christians uh, uh, in public and manifest sin in this way. And Jesus, in, in that text, in Matthew 18, Jesus says, it would be better for you if you tied a millstone around your neck and drowned yourself in the sea than to ever scandalize one of his little ones. When Christians behave like heathens, they profane the name of God. When preachers twist the word of God and prey upon the weak and the poor, they are profaning God's name. They bear the name of Christ, but then they care nothing about what he says. People who outwardly appear to be Christians, but inwardly in their heart and in their life reject the word, uh, these are called hypocrites. Hypocrite is a Greek word that simply means an actor. So it's somebody who's playing a part. So these people are acting or they're pretending or they're appearing to be Christians when in fact they're not. And these are people who, uh, who become, uh, for example, they'll become members of a church, of the church, uh, maybe only because of family or out of habit or guilt. Or they become members because they're searching for friendship and community or because they may get a paycheck or because they'll have a job or position or because it's something they think they simply have to do. And there are people who pretend to confess the faith, but secretly they don't mean it or they despise it. For example, There are people who claim to uphold the law of God, the Ten Commandments, to uphold the holy law of God, the word of God that says you shall not murder. But then go and cast a vote for a political candidate who publicly supports the slaughter and dismembering of infants in the womb, like our current president who supports the murdering of these children. By the way, if if you have done this in your life, whether out of malice or out of ignorance or foolishness, whatever it might be, if you voted for someone who supports this act, evil act of abortion, uh, you do need to repent. For the love of God, repent. Receive forgiveness for your sins. And don't do it again. Don't ever give consent or approval or even your vote to somebody who would support that. There are people who bear the name of Christ, but then will commit shameful things, shameful acts. They will call themselves Christians and then treat their neighbor with disdain. People like this exist and they profane the name of God. And when we hear it, it causes Christians to stumble. Some do it publicly. Some do it privately. Sometimes it's a matter of time only when this is revealed. And sometimes it's only going to be revealed on the last day, that final moment. We can't always tell who is and who isn't a hypocrite in the church. Uh, Jesus tells a, a parable in Matthew 13. He says, there was a man who sowed seeds into a field and then at night an enemy came and sowed weeds into the same field. And then time, the time came, the weeds were growing with the wheat and the servants wanted to remove the weeds. But the master tells them, he says, don't do it. Rather, let them both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Uh, What Jesus is teaching in this text is that 
the, the church will always be plagued with hypocrites. There will always be hypocrites in the church. They will hide in the membership roles. They will, uh, like, uh, as goats, they'll blend in with the sheep. And, and the truth is, I can't tell if you're a hypocrite because I can't see your heart. Uh, and neither does your neighbor know if you're a hypocrite because he can't see your heart either. But you know. You know if you are. And God knows. Uh, even if others don't. And it's for this reason we don't go around snooping around and trying to investigate this and trying to figure it out. It's not going to happen. We leave it in God's hands. And this is why 1 Corinthians 4 says, Do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes. But he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and he will expose the motives of men's hearts. Revelation 20 says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. Matthew 10 says, For there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, and nothing hidden that will not be made known. So even though we can't see who is and who is not a hypocrite, Matthew 3 says, His winnowing fork, God's winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor. On the last day, God will reveal your heart to all. So this is a warning. So far, this is a warning to you if you have hardened your heart to God's word in any way. You take this as a final warning because tomorrow is not promised. Repent now. Today is the day of salvation. The day is coming when God once and for all will separate the sheep and the goats and all of heaven waits for it. This is simply what Romans 8 says. The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Okay, that is the first part of the sermon. Uh, The second part is the judgment of God. Uh, And I want to clarify something here first before going further with this. We oftentimes think of the final judgment as a decision that God is going to make, that he will make, as if there's some long drawn out process and uh, court ruling and defense that has to be presented. And then he's going to make up his mind on that day. But that is not what is happening here, because God already knows his sheep even before the judgment comes. He says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So he's known it, and the scripture says, even before the foundation of the world. So what is going on here on the last day? In Matthew 25, it is not that God is making his judgment of the world. It's that he is revealing his judgment to the world. He is saying what is already true in his heart, publicly declaring it for the whole world to see. And on that day, he will reveal his judgment. And I consider this part. This separation, this judgment is permanent and it is eternal and it is irreversible. And it will come like an instant, like a trap, Jesus says, like a thief in the night. And when it comes, it is once and for all. There is no going back. There is no do-over. There is no second chance. When the day comes, that is it. On that day, 
there will be a wide open hell below us, heaven above us, and there will be a great and severe judge standing before us. And everyone who has ever lived will be there standing before the judge. And this judge, there's nothing hidden from him and there's nothing that will remain unpunished. And verse 46 says, the goats will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, um, this is uh, frightening. It could be, right? Uh, Whenever we get this text, I have members who will come up to me after the service or during the week, worried and filled with anxiety and sorrow and say something like, well, what am I? Am I a sheep or am I a goat? What will God say to me? What will he say to me? And they are afraid and terrified of that day. And they think of all of their sin, their shameful life, the stupid things they did when they were younger, all the failures, addictions, troubles, and shame. And they're plagued by it. And then they dread the last day. They are petrified. Well, if this is you, if the final, eternal, and irreversible judgment of God revealed on the last day makes you uneasy and scares you, then I, I want you to wake up and pay attention to this part of the sermon as if your eternal life depends upon it, because it does. For you who have any fear whatsoever in your heart right now, I've learned that there is no better consolation and comfort than this. That's Hebrews chapter 13 that says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that should bring you comfort. That should bring the deepest relief of your soul. And this is because if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then we don't have to wonder about what he will say. We simply have to listen to what he says now. But I, I, I need to make it more clear. As your pastor, as a minister of Christ, called an ordained servant of the word, I am under orders of God to tell you what he himself has said in his word. And I'm telling you to not be afraid of the last day, no matter how many great sins you have. If you're in this church right now, a Christian, a baptized child of God, but you're still afraid, just I, I want you to think about what you're really afraid of. Are you afraid of Jesus? Are you, do you think he is unjust or malevolent? Do you think he's going to trick you on that day? Or do you think he's angry with you? If so, cast these doubts away from your mind because the one who is coming to judge you is the one who came to be judged for you. The one who holds your life in his hand is the same one who laid his life down for you. So don't be afraid of the one you love. More than that, don't be afraid of the one who loves you who gave body and blood for you. If you're, are you afraid of your sins? Are you afraid that God will bring up some sin against you? Then Jeremiah 31 says, I will forgive their iniquity and will remember their sins no more. Psalm 103 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed your transgressions from us. Micah 7 says that he casts our sins into the depth of the sea. Are you afraid that you'll be condemned in the judgment? Romans 8 says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. John 5 says, amen, amen, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him has eternal life. 
He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Are you afraid that somebody will bring something up against you? Or that, are you afraid that the devil will somehow accuse you? Romans 8 says, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies and who shall condemn. It is Christ who died indeed, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, and who intercedes for us. Jesus is your advocate, and he will make his case for you before the entire world that you are holy and blameless, and he will prove your innocence with the wounds in his flesh and the stripes on his back. If you stand on that day alone, you have every reason to be afraid. But if you have Christ, which you do, you have no reason to be afraid. So you don't have to wonder what he will tell you on the last day. You just listen to what he tells you right now. Because he does not change and his word endures forever. You came in this morning and you said, I, a poor, miserable sinner. And Jesus said, I forgive you all your sins. You cried out, Lord, have mercy. And Jesus said, peace be with you. You will cry out here in this service, create in me a clean heart, O God. And Jesus will say, take and eat. This is my body. This is my blood given for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. You say, I am not good enough. I've sinned so horribly and terribly. I deserve nothing but death and condemnation. I don't deserve to be in your kingdom. And Jesus says, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. God's word doesn't change. And that is your comfort. Because everything that is true today will still be true on the last day. All of his forgiveness that he says now will be there with you on that final moment. The forgiveness he gives you now will still be true. So don't be afraid. Repent, put your faith, your hope, and your trust in Jesus who saves you and who loves you, who has redeemed you by his death and made you his forever. Amen. Hear the words of this hymn. My Savior paid the debt I owe, and for my sin was smitten. Within the book of life I know my name has now been written. I will not doubt, for I am free, and Satan cannot threaten me. There is no condemnation. O Jesus Christ, do not delay, but hasten our salvation. We often tremble on our way in fear and tribulation. O hear and grant our fervent plea. Come, mighty judge, and set us free from death and every evil. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.